For the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about this word toxic. We're going to talk about toxic. We're going to talk about different components or aspects of this word toxic as far as our series is related. Um, I want to talk today about the concept and the idea of this toxic situation we call relationships with people. People can be very, very toxic. Um, one of the most, uh, the Romans were very, very well known for their methods of torture. They were known for their methods of torture. They, they had tremendous, um, well-thought-out, um, disgusting, deviant minds when it comes to that concept of torture. One of the ways that we as Christians are familiar with torture is the cross, crucifixion, the cross. The concept that someone is nailed to the cross, the idea of what's happening on the cross, the pain that's taking place, the suffocation that's taking place, the suffering that's taking place on the cross. Uh, we as Christians relate that because we understand who Jesus is and what he is as our Savior. We understand that the pain and the punishment that he took for us while he died on that cross. Um, on a cross, you would be nailed to it, and you had nails that went through your hands, and you had nails that went through your feet. Your legs were bent at a certain direction. And so when you hung on that cross, you were literally uh, suffocating. Your, your lungs were being squeezed. All the breath was being pushed out of your body. And so in order to get oxygen back into your lungs in that bent position, you would push back up on the cross to open up your lungs to get breathing, get oxygen in there. But in doing so, those nails ran through the nervous system, and they would cause excruciating pain, and so it would cause you to drop back down because the pain was so horrible. And so you had this thing where for every breath it hurt, for every breath it took, and that's what we associate crucifixion with. We recognize as Christians that is one of the most horrible ways to die. Another way that the Romans had, which is something I want to talk about today, is the where we get this word from, dead weight. Have you ever heard of the term dead weight before? You guys have ever heard of the term dead weight before? One of the things that these Romans would do at times is they would, uh, in a form of torture, was that they would take a person who had committed some kind of crime, and they would take a dead body and tie that to the person's body who was alive. You guys with me? They would take a living body who had committed some kind of crime, some kind of offense, and they would take that. They would take a dead body, a corpse, and they would put it on top of that person's body, and they would tie that dead body or that corpse to that person. The thought process was, as that person has to walk around carrying that dead person on him, that that body would begin to decompose. And in it decomposing, the liquefied uh, organs and all of those things as the flesh would rot would start to enter into the pores of that person who had committed that crime. That eventually the poisons or the decomposed body would seek into the human body who committed the crime until that person became so sick and poisoned they died. In other words, it was a slow lethal injection of some sort. It was some kind of poison. It was taking a dead body and letting it compose in the toxicities of that dead body, entering into the living body until the living body eventually died. And that's where we get the phrase carrying dead weight. And I'm curious to know how many of you guys are walking around with some dead weight in your life? How many people are strapped and tied to your life that are causing you to feel sick, causing you to feel tainted, causing you to lose out on your money, your finances, your hopes, your dreams, your sleep, your rest, your peace? Who are you tied to that's causing you not to be successful in life and are some ways killing the very purpose and focus that God has for you? And good morning. I want to share with you three ways to get rid of some dead weight. 
I want to share with you three ways to get rid of some toxic people in your life. The first thing I want to share with you is found in Genesis 13, verse 8 through 9. Here's what Abram says to Lot, and I'll explain to you what's going on in just a second. Point number one I want to share with you is let go of bad people and their baggage. Finally, Abram said to Lot, let's not allow this conflict to come between us or our herdsmen. After all, we are close relatives. The whole countryside is open to you. Take your choice of any section of the land you want, and we will separate. God tells Abram, I want you to go to a new place in a new land. I want you to start there. I want you to start your life over. I want you to have this brand new experience with life. And God tells Abram, don't take anyone with you. But Abram, like a lot of us, oftentimes feel like we can't do stuff alone. So we take some folks with us. He takes Lot with him, one of his nephews. He takes Lot with him to this place where he's not where he's supposed to go, but Lot wasn't invited to. And they find themselves trying to live together. Abram is a rich guy. He's got a lot of land and property. He's got a lot of uh, sheep and cattle. He's got herdsmen and servants. So does Lot. The problem is that the land that they're trying to share isn't big enough for the both of them. The land that they're trying to share is not going to be conducive to carry on Lot's family and his food and, and the network of people that he has, and it's not going to work for Abram. And so this conflict begins to take place. A conflict begins to take place between Lot's uh, uh, herdsmen and Abram's herdsmen. Abraham and Lot, or Abram and Lot are going at it back and forth. And so I want to share with you today that it's okay to let people go. It's okay to let baggage go. Lot goes up, excuse me, Abram goes up to Lot and he says, listen, let's not have this conflict between us. He says, let's stop fighting. Let's stop arguing. Let's stop having all of these issues take place. It's damaging our what? Relationship. Sometimes we can't get together with people, and before this relationship becomes something traumatic and horrible and disgusting, let's just call it quits right now. I know we should try to make it work, but there's a certain point where it's not going to work, and I need to let you know it's okay. It's time for us to go in two different directions. Thanks for playing. Thanks for hanging out. But guess what? I got to go. Lot says to his, I'm mean, Abel says to Lot, he says, listen, let's not fight, let's not bicker, let's not let this issue become anything bigger than we need to. It's okay to let toxic people go. Wow. Not only is it okay to let toxic people go, but he also says it's okay to let toxic people go and their baggage. Where do I see that at? He says, Abram says, listen, let's not let conflict between, come between us. He says, and let's not let, let's not let this conflict become, come between you and I and our herdsmen. He says, you got people that came with you. Let's not let this issue be an issue that bothers both of us. Some people got problems and they also got issues. I'm not a fan of you or your issues, so go away. Is what Abram said. And too many times you and I try to take on somebody else's baggage that God didn't call us to take on because he didn't call us to take on the person. And we're dealing with them and their issues. And their issues become your issues. Oh, man. I'm preaching good. So look, right, right, so look. Hi, this is my son, Zephaniah. I love you so much. He's like, oh, my God, please don't do it today. Hey, Will, since you get a break. So listen. <laughs> Zeph went from a size 12 shoe to a 13 in a six-month time period. I'm not paying for size 13 new shoes. You know why? Because I wear size 13 shoes. So I would give him my shoes. 
I don't wear my tennis shoes a lot, so a lot of times they're pretty fresh for the most part, so I could give him my shoes. And then something happened where I started seeing shoes that look really good for him, and I'd be like, those look really good for what? Us. <laughs> so I say, Zeph, I got you these shoes this weekend, but next weekend I need that for church, so come on, run them shoes back to me. And so we had a really great working relationship that my shoes were his shoes, and his shoes were my shoes. We were sharing shoes. Some of us start sharing other people's shoes, and at first, it's great because his baggage of this shoes cost him more money, and, and I don't want to put invest in all those shoes. I can share his shoes. We can share his shoes, or I'm sorry, shoes together. We can share these shoes together. But there's a problem, because this joker went from a size 13 to a 14, <laughs> and then he went to a 14 to a 15 in a year. And so now I got to buy him shoes to fit his feet. But sometimes the shoes I get him, they look so good that I'll go in his closet and I'll slip on his shoes. And so now his shoes become my shoes. You see where I'm going with this? The problem is that his shoes are specifically made for his feet, but I'm trying to look good in his shoes and I'm stumbling, tripping, and scuffing up his shoes and his shoes because they don't fit on my feet. And that's how issues take place with people and baggage. It looks good at first, it's a good fit, but after a while, we grow beyond the fit, we grow beyond the move, and all of a sudden, there's some leech, some person trying to draw more and get more out of our stuff when we're trying to move on. Zeph has grown to a different size of life, and I'm still trying to fit in his stuff. I'm still trying to take his stuff. He's moved on, but I'm holding him back. Dad, have you seen my shoes? Nope. I got his shoes on. You seen my shoes? Nah, maybe you should find a new outfit. I had plans to wear this outfit with my shoes. I'm sorry. I don't know what to tell you. I took his shoes. And what used to be a good fit where we could work together and dwell together, it doesn't fit anymore. So Zeph said, I want my shoes back. And I said, who paid for them? Indian giver, right? Like, who paid? I took, I paid for them. They're mine. They're mine too. And now there's conflict and drama because I'm trying to get in something that's not made for me, and I'm taking what's his. Eventually, he's going to have to kick his toxic bag to steal his shoes out of his closet. Are you guys see where I'm going with this? Some stuff isn't for you anymore. Some stuff doesn't mean we need to work anymore. Some stuff doesn't mean we need to coexist anymore. Get out of my shoes. Get out of my clothes, get out of my drawer, get out of my, my pockets, get out of my money, get out of my mind. I got to get rid of toxic people. The example I use is a father and a son. And some of you guys say, well, it's easy to get rid of toxic coworkers or, or toxic folk, but what do I do about family? How do I get rid of toxic people? Let me help you understand that Abram and Lot are related. This is, this is, this is, this is his nephew. This is Abram. Abram is, is Lot's nephew. This is family. A lot of people tell me it's so hard to get rid of family. No, it's not. Because my peace and my health and my wholeness is better than family. Ooh, I know you don't like that. But I'm giving you an example of a man that did, with, did this with his what? Family. This isn't a coworker. This isn't a good friend. 
This is someone that's younger than him, that has looked up to him, that has appreciated him, that has valued him, that left all he had to follow this guy, Abram. And Abram is saying, we're not going to work anymore. He's talking to family. And sometimes family are just as toxic as co-workers and friends. But if you don't get rid of that dead weight, you're going to have a lot of problems in life. Mm. Point number two, leave bad people with your godly in uh, integrity intact. I want you to watch how Abram conducts himself in this situation when he is beginning to separate a toxic person from his life, when he's getting rid of dead weight. Watch this right here, verses 8 and 9. Finally, Abram said to Lot, let's not allow this conflict to come between us or our herdsmen. After all, we are close relatives. The whole countryside is open to you. Take your choice of any section of the land you want, and we will separate. If you want the land to the left, then I'll take the land on the right. If you prefer the land on the right, then I'll go to the left. This is great conflict resolution by Lot, I mean by Abram. Abram says to Lot, he says, number one, he says, listen, he's very calm in his approach. He says, again, let's not argue or bicker between you and I. Let's not fight between us. He says, let's stop all the drama. I'm not here to curse you out. I'm not here to fuss you out. I'm not here to throw things at you. Let's not do that. I'm past that level. He says, let's not do that, number one. He says, then he comes back and he says, listen, let me give you a couple of options. He says, you can take the land to the left. You can take the land to the right. Whatever you want, you can take it. You choose. He sat down and realized that there was conflict, that there was drama, that there were problems. And then he said, you know what? I'm going to calmly approach this. And then number two, I'm going to come with options to the table. He doesn't tell you where you should go and where you should put it. Those aren't the options that he brings to the table. He brings to the table a calm resolution of, listen, this is a road you can take. This is a road you can take. Pick what you want. It's calm. It's decisive. It's not argumentative. It's not divisive. He is literally holding a calm, casual, cool conversation. And I'm going to show you why he can do that. Because at the very last of that part, he said, listen, you can take the left or the right. You can take whatever you want. He's literally giving the person to take the best of whatever he wants. Why? Because his trust is not in trying to get over. His trust is trying to get in God. His trust is in the Lord will provide whatever he needs to make it through this situation. So if Lot takes the most beautiful land there is, that's okay because God is going to provide. Did y'all see that? He's not arguing. He's not trying to get the last. He's not trying to get the better peace. He doesn't care about the better peace. He cares about having peace. Okay, I said like five minutes. Give some wait. It's early. He's not concerned with getting the bigger or better peace. He's more concerned with having peace. When your peace is better than the bigger peace, you're figuring it out in life. When you would rather have peace than win, then you're winning. And when you recognize that I want to win versus becoming out as the winner, you're getting it. And then the next move that he makes is he says, my trust is in the Lord. You choose left or right. It's all good. I'm not arguing. I'm not fighting. I'm not cursing. I'm not, I'm not talking about you. I'm not calling up no girlfriends. I'm not texting up no crew. I'm nothing. He doesn't go into church, email, chat. I need you to pray for this situation because so-and-so's evil, and they've been evil since 1903, and you list all the evil entities that they've done. That's a made-up word. Evil entities that they've done. Lot didn't do, I mean, Abram didn't do that. 
He didn't run to his wife and go down a list of issues. He simply said, listen, I'm going to calmly handle this situation. I'm going to trust that the Lord will take care of it. And hey, person I'm having conflict with, have fun. Pick what you want. Because his trust, his hope, his desire is that the Lord will help him overcome this toxic person and this toxic baggage and will come out as a winner because he trusts the Lord more than he trusts the conversation or the relationship of trying to work out a toxic situation. One of our biggest problems in school, in work, with family, with friends, is we're trying to make dysfunctional stuff work. I'll say it again. The hardest part of being successful and being what we need to be is we're trying to make stuff work that doesn't work. Man, it's hard cramming your foot to a size 12 shoe. Seth had some nice size 12 shoes one day. Man, I tried. Because, you know, ladies, you guys can understand. Fellas, I don't know if you're there with me right now, but, you know, sometimes you just want to look good for like two hours. Just two hours. Two hours. And you will, you will, you will put butter on that foot. You'll, you'll grease that thing up to slide it in that shoe to look good. Um, he had some green shoes that didn't fit. Oh, those green shoes were phenomenal. I remember he called me from school and said, these new green shoes you got, they were actually size 13s. We're like, they're too tight. I can't make it. I'm in the second period. Help me. I had mom run down and, and give you another pair of shoes. I'm sorry. And I saw those green shoes, and I put them on, and I took two footsteps in those green shoes. My feet were burning. I said, I'm wearing these shoes next week, buddy. Only got two hours of church. I put them shoes on, preaching and burning. But looking good. And then somebody called me and said, hey, we got something we want you to look at. Do you mind hanging out with us for a couple hours? Oh! I'm the pastor. I got to go when they call. Can you come check it out? And I, whoosh, 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 whoosh. Man, I learned a valuable lesson. <laughs> yeah, don't touch your stuff, right? <laughs> it's not worth Trying to make it work sometimes. Toxic, tight situations aren't worth being uncomfortable to look good for a few moments. Sometimes the dinner table's not going to work for us today. Hello? Sometimes us going out with that couple, I, I know we should go out with that couple because we should. It looks good, but it's just not going to work. It's a toxic environment and situation. Rosie and I went out with a couple a few weeks ago, about three months ago. I think I told you guys before, and it was rough and brutal, and I couldn't wait for the, for the night to end. Oh, my God, what a horrible couple to be with. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> it's a horrible. There's nobody in this church, so guys, whew, relax. There's nobody here. First of all, there's nobody here. It's from another church we were at before. And we're trying to keep relationship going. And we just realized that they're just, they're, they're bitter and, and jaded and they're not happy. Things aren't going the way it is for them. And they got, you know, all these, you know, people got little things to say. 
Like, you're, how's things going for us? Oh, great. We had, we had some new members. We got new members, too. Like, we were, like we were, we're not arguing with you. It's great. And it just, they just kept picking and picking and picking. And halfway through the appetizer, I was ready to go. I was ready to go. And they were like, after we eat, I know this really cool place to get dessert. And I was like, God, please, I want my stomach to hurt anything. Make this stop. <laughs> I got back home, and Rosie and I just, whew, we were just drained. You ever just been around toxic people that just drain you? And for four minutes, we sat in the living room in total silence. I had the remote control in my hand, and I was just quiet, and she was quiet. And we could hear each other blinking. It was just... And I was like, dude, they want to do that. They want to do that every other month. And she was like, I can't do it. Like, your mother's going to be sick next next month. She's like, what? I said, that's, that's what we're telling them. She's sick. We can't lie. We lying today. <laughs> I, can't, I can't do it. I can't do it. Like, when, when, you're, when, you're, when you're with somebody that's so toxic that's causing you to compromise beliefs and moral principles, they got to go. When you'd rather be dishonest or lie or sneak or hide or, or rub, rub pineapple on some kid that's got a food allergy— so that they'll hive up two hours before. Like, that's so not worth it. That is so not of God. Just get over it. And I'm honestly telling you, if that's where you are in life, then we've got to get rid of these toxic people. And Abram shows us in such an amazing way. He says, listen, I'm calm about it. I've thought about it. I'm not going to argue with you. You go left, you go right. I'm trusting God for God to provide. I'm moving on. Have a great day. And the process that he takes is what changes his life. How do I know? Because watch point number three. Look out for God's blessing. After Lot had gone, the Lord said to Abram, Look as far as you can see in every direction, north and south, east and west. I am giving you all this land as far as you can see to you and your descendants as a permanent possession and I will give you so many descendants that, like the dust of the earth, they cannot be counted. Go and walk through the land in every direction, for I am giving it to you. He gives him this amazing blessing. He says, I'm going to give you all of these things. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless your descendants. I'm going to, um, I'm going to let you walk through the blessings that God has for you. But before he gives him this blessing, before he tells him that he's going to bless him, the first thing that you recognize or you have to realize before God promises all of these blessings to Abram, it starts in verse 14, after Lot had gone. Do you see that? God didn't speak and pronounce all of these blessings that he was going to bless him with until Abram was obedient enough to get rid of the thing that was causing him sickness. It's tough. It's tough. God didn't speak to Abram and give him this promise of all these blessings he's about to experience until Abram, until Lot was gone. And that meant that Abram had to step up. He had to man up, woman up, whatever you want to call it. He did something to come up and say, listen, I'm not going to be involved with this person anymore. And once he got rid of Lot, that's when God spoke. That's when God opened up the doors of blessing. Not only did he open the doors of blessing, but he said, listen, he says, <clears throat> I'm going to bless you as far as you can see. I think 
So let's backtrack. Well, you got to go through this. Got to go through the passage of scripture. We don't have time for that because I got to go. Listen, just like this, just roll me for a second. Like what he says, and when you start to read through this, is he says, "Listen, I want you to go to this new land. It's going to be a place of promise, a place of potential. I'm going to let you see all this stuff. It's going to be a great place for you. Trust me. This is a place that's going to do amazing things for you. Go to this place I'm sending you. I want you to be a part of this place. That's what he tells him. I want you to be a part of this place. Go here. Just, just trust me. I got things for you. He gets there, and I think he can't see the potential because he's tied to a dead situation. You got that? His vision is cloudy because he's got weight on his shoulders. He's got something holding him down. I'm sure every morning he comes out of the tent and there are, are Lot's herdsmen and Abram's, Abram, Abram's herdsmen. They're fighting and they're bickering and they're arguing. And it's just, it's so much drama that it literally just closes your vision and you can't see the big picture anymore. All you can see is the mess that's in front of you. Man, before I had kids, I had this beautiful car. <laughs> it was clean. I cleaned it every weekend. Bubble and turtle wax and soap, and I'd brush that bad boy, and I had the bristles, and I'd get all into the rims. I was a really hard worker before I had kids. Now I'm just like, get in the car. I don't care. Eat something. Just bring it. Someone spilled soda on your floor. That happened like 17,000 years ago. I was like, oh, my God, I got to reupholster it. Now I'm just like, just stomp it out. It'll be fine. Crack the windows. We got to go. <laughs> just, that's where I am in life right now. But I had this car, and I remember spending like an additional 20 minutes cleaning this one spot on this car. No one else could see it, but I knew it was there. And people were walking by like, man, that car looks beautiful. And I'm thinking to myself, you don't see this spot right here by the door where the door opens. You don't see this spot. It's because you're so focused on the drama or the, or the poison that you can't see the big picture. And sometimes we need those spots. We need those spotted people. We need those horrible things. We need those negative people out of our life so that we can see clearly the picture God has for us. And as soon as Lot is gone, God opens his vision, allows him to see as far as he can see, and says, this is going to be a blessed situation that you're going into, because now the drama's gone. God also says to him, not only that, but because you've gotten this situation, you've gotten a lot out of your way, you've gotten this toxic person out of your life, you've got the baggage out of your life, you're going to see blessing as far as you can see. Not only that, but your family's going to be blessed by your decisions. He says, your family is going to reap the blessing of you being obedient, your family's going to be numerous beyond what you can imagine or think because you were obedience. Man, when I get some people off my life and out of my life, I got more money. I can go to Chick-fil-A. Probably shouldn't, but man, it's good. I can go back to Chick-fil-A. We can go to the movies again. I got $10 more. You can go ahead and go to the comic book store. Like I got money now because I've gotten certain toxic people out of my life. My wife can get more time in conversation with me because I'm not concerned about X, Y, and Z. And now we're dialoguing again, and we're going out to the movies again, and we're laughing again, and we're having fun again. And when did that happen? And I got rid of toxic people and situations. And God says with Abram, he says, listen, if you get rid of toxic people, I promise you, you'll be able to see again clearly. He says, not only will you see, see again clearly, he says, you will also be able to have blessing and benefit that comes to your family. Your family will start to be blessed because you made wise decisions. And this is my favorite part. He tells Abram, 
go take a victory lap. So where the heck is that at? He tells him, he says, he says, he says I've given you all this stuff. Just walk around. Walk around. As far as you can see, walk through everything that's yours. Walk through it, walk through it, walk through it. Take a victory lap. Be excited that this is your new life. Be excited that this is new things for you. Be excited that God has great things in store for you. Be excited that now you have this new area you can walk and maneuver through. Says this is yours. Be happy about it. Be excited about it. Take this victory lap. Says you can move again freely. You can move again freely. You can talk again freely. You can experience life again freely because you don't have dead weight uh, strapped to you anymore. He says, and now go take a victory lap. Be, Be happy about what you have. We had a relative that was with us for a little bit. There's a lot of struggles we had to deal with and overcome. When that relative got healthier, moved on, and at the same time, in some ways, didn't get healthy, but moved on, we had a basement all back to ourselves. You guys with me? And all of a sudden, the kids enjoyed the basement that they never had gone to before we had the relative come over. Got where I'm going? Because now there's this sense of freedom and this sense of something that was there all this time that we never experienced before. Now we recognize how much better it is and how much more is there. And so now we have people going downstairs and they're participating and loving and experiencing the basement with its four couches and funny TV, little lines that wiggle through it. I ain't paying for a new screen, but little lines that wiggle through it. And now the basement is amazing again. And now we can paint and draw in the basement again. We're in the basement for nine months. Relative came for six months, eight months. Basement's the most amazing place in the world. Why? Because it was something exciting about not having all that drama anymore that you could just roll around on the carpet and have fun in the basement. There are all these arenas in your life that God has for you all these arenas of life and things that God wants you to experience. And until we get toxic people out of it, you will not be able to experience the full joy and pleasure that God has for you. If you don't get anything else I'm saying from you today, I'm talking to you and sharing with you today, here's your takeaway. Toxic people are blocking your blessing. I don't mean like money's going to fall out of the sky blessing. I mean blessing like I don't have peace anymore. I don't have hope anymore. I don't have dream. I don't have desire. I mean like blessings like, well, what if those things were gone? Could I start to see again? Could I start to have vision again? Abram got vision again. Could I have purpose and drive and direction again? Abram got all those things back when a toxic person left. When a toxic person left with their toxic baggage, Abraham had this blessing of recognizing that there's more than just me. There's purpose. I have to get things in place for the children that are going to come, and I've got to teach them and get ready for them. There was excitement because he recognized that God had given him a promise that now he had this victory lap in front of him. Now that he had this excitement in front of him, now he can start planning for the future and bigger and better things in the moment of struggle and the daily drag that he had to deal with. People can be very toxic, and what comes with people that are toxic are toxic baggage and belongings, and I promise you through this scripture and through so many other places in scripture, when we get rid of toxic people, 
God gives us clarity and allows us to experience the very best. So the question for you all today is, how much longer are you going to be strapped to that dead weight? How much longer are you going to be strapped to that dead weight? And the second question is, who's the dead weight? Sometimes you feel the weight, but you don't really like, you don't know what it is sometimes. And you got to do evaluation, and then you realize, oh, it's you. And sometimes you know who it is. And then the question comes back around, how long are you going to be strapped down to them? Now, if any of you all said, my spouse, <laughs> during the course of this marriage, meet me after church, Facebook message me, text me, here's my number. Are you guys ready? This is the worst thing you can do as a pastor. Here's my number. You guys ready? 240-374-8166. Text me. If your spouse is the baggage, if your spouse is the toxic person, I'm not a big fan of kicking the spouse off the ship yet. So let's put some plans together. Let's put some preventive conversation in place of making that relationship work. Everybody else, bye. Did y'all catch that? Everybody else. <laughs> Roll. But if it's, if it's our spouse, let's sit down and talk for a second. And let's figure out and let's get some plan in place. Let's talk about structure. Let's talk about how we can merge and make things work. Let's see if we can make things work. Let's see if there's still an opportunity for life in what seems to be a dead situation. Facebook message me. Text me. Meet me after church. We got connection cards. Write out your connection card there. Put a prayer in there. Put a request in there. Put your information. And we'll start trying to see what we can do. But everybody else, I think peace is like the symbol for scissors. <laughs> peace, I'm out and free. Yes. Thank you, God. <laughs> let's talk. If there's anybody um, other than if it's your spouse, let's talk. Let's pray real quick. As the band comes up, let's pray. Um, Father God, <clears throat> We're laughing and we're joking, and we also recognize at the same time um, the difficulties of letting go of certain people, um, the difficulties. We recognize how toxic it is, but the next step is, is oftentimes very difficult. But you give us in Scripture um, probably the toughest people to cut off are family members, people that feel like family. And so you've given us example of how to deal with family, how to deal with it in a way that is not uh, disruptive to your character. It's calm. It's thought out. It's presented in a way where we trust you not to win, but to win because we're following you. And so, Father, in every arena, every area where we're connected to toxic people, toxic situations, uh, Father, give us wisdom and insight and let us humble ourselves. And let us make the move quickly and look for your blessing in your hand. In Jesus' name we pray.